we uh, we do have our special guest here coming in right now. He's Gene Fredette, sports columnist. Thank you so much for uh, joining us here on Iron Sports. Good to be with you, Iron. Been a while since we've talked. <laughs> Gene, um, you're a writer at Florida Times Union. Um, you've been covering the Jaguars for many, many years. So I just thought it would be great to bring you on because somehow, you know, when Urban Meyer went to Jacksonville, I'm like, well, you know, the national media is not going to be talking about Jacksonville so much. It's it's on north of Florida. But, boy, it seems like the story of the news has been. And Shad Khan, the owner, has tried uh, many different coaches now, college coaches, pro coaches. Maybe he's going to hire a sports writer next to be his coach because he seems like he's tried everything and it hasn't worked for him. Well, given that the Jaguars are – 43 and 118 in the last 10 years. I don't know how hiring a sports writer could be any worse. <laughs> so really what, when you heard that whenever Meyer was brought there, there was enthusiasm, but then immediately he got criticism. I was shocked by the criticism. It seemed like maybe he didn't leave Florida. Everyone thought he left like the conquering king leaving Florida when he going up to Ohio State. But it seemed like there was it was not the goodwill that I expected when Urban was hired there as a coach. Well, when he when he was hired, I, I didn't I didn't endorse the hire, but I didn't I didn't criticize it either. I thought the only positive I thought for the Jaguars of hiring Urban Meyer was from a marketing standpoint. You know, you had a guy that was a, uh, you know, very high profile figure, won three national championships, two at Florida. So from that standpoint, you know, it was a pretty good, you know, combined with the drafting of Trevor Lawrence, it certainly was a pretty good marketing combination from that standpoint. But I had a lot of people also that I trusted telling this is when, this was before, you know, he even got into you know, the draft or anything like that, tell me that it's a whole different world jumping from college to the NFL, and they just weren't sure how it was going to go with Urban Meyer. So I, I took on a more wait-and-see attitude. I was not on board with saying that this hire, I called it a boon or bust hire. That's what I thought. I thought it was either going to work out really well or it was just going to be a total bust, and that's exactly what it, what it turned out to be. Now, I never imagined that, that Urban would create would have such terrible missteps, bad judgment, uh, you know, relationship issues within his staff. I didn't, you know, I, that part I didn't realize would, would go to that extent. But um, it's just been, it's been an unmitigated disaster. There's nothing that has been, you know, the Jaguars have set many new standards for lowering the bar, but it's, it's never been worse than it is right now because this is a total embarrassment for Shad Khan because Urban Meyer, uh, was his man crush. Shah Khan had a man crush on Urban Meyer. He just thought he was, you know, Big Ten background. Of course, uh, Shah's got the Big Ten with the University of Illinois connection. He just thought Urban Meyer was going to really come in here and transform this franchise, and exactly the opposite occurred. Did something happen with Urban? Like, I was expecting, you saw, I mean, his offense at Florida was pretty with just Tim Tebow, but in Ohio State, he did have innovative, some sort of innovative offenses. So you're waiting for him to bring in. Did, did the disconnect happen with the assistant coaches? I know we heard about the strength coach with Chris Doyle, but in general, you know, you heard recently about he was fighting with the assistants, but you, I would have thought that Urban would have been able to get, you know, people that are loyal to him, the best. It, it seemed like he just did not get the right assistance that he wanted for the NFL job. Well, keep in mind that, you know, of the, uh, when you look at his whole staff and it's, you know, and it's, you know, you know, I mean, the Jaguar staff is a greater population than some small towns in America. I mean, he had like about 30 different coaches on the staff. It was unbelievable 
how large this staff was. And, but not all of them were urban guys. You know, he, he, had, to, he had to rely on, on hiring a lot of NFL people who he didn't have a previous relationship with, but, you know, heard good things about them from other people, you know, particularly Daryl Bevel and, and Brian Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Those guys had a ton of NFL experience. Uh, he retained George Warhop, the offensive line coach, who was there under Doug Marone, longtime NFL coach. And then he went and got Joe Cullen, uh, kind of a veteran NFL coach who had never been a defensive coordinator before. So he was getting his first opportunity. But it was a mixture. You know, it wasn't as if these were these were not all Urban Meyer guys. Because if you hire all Urban Meyer guys, the problem there is that you're going to be hiring a lot of guys who haven't spent a lot of time in the NFL. And so Urban knew he needed guys with NFL experience. Yes, he brought in Charlie Strong, uh, one of his guys from Florida. He brought in like a Ryan Stamper from Ohio you know, who he knew, who is a former player at Florida and who he hired at Ohio State. But uh, this, in terms of the makeup of the staff, it was a very much of a little bit of urban, old Urban Meyer guys and a lot of new NFL guys. And, uh, you know, but the main reason that this didn't work, Jaguars aren't, you know, the Jaguars were 1 in 15 last year. Let's not lose sight of the fact that this was a 1 in 15 team that he inherited. And yes, it's great that Trevor Lawrence, a guy of his talent and caliber, uh, came here, but uh, the roster wasn't all that good. And then you you lose the DJ Chark. There's there's your number one receiver, not not a true number one, but probably your best receiver, certainly your best deep threat. You lose him, Travis Etienne, your first round draft pick, along with Lawrence, uh, kind of going to be going to be a hybrid receiver, running back type, third down guy, uh, probably one of your fastest guys. Then you then he goes down with a Liz Frank injury before the season started. So right away, early on, you lose two of your best speed guys and weapons, which obviously makes it harder for, for Trevor Lawrence, right? Uh, then later on, you lose Jamal Agnew, another speed guy, uh, more of a special teams guy, but who you know made some plays as a, as a receiver. So uh, you, know, you, you lose that speed element, you know, plus your best return specialist. And, and on top of that, you know, Trevor's, trying to get acclimated to the NFL, and that's not going great, right? And you start taking away, you know, some decent weapons, and the only thing you're really left with is James Robinson, uh, a dependable running back, and then, you know, Urban got in it, into it with him when he fumbled uh, against the Los Angeles Rams, sat on the bench for 16 straight plays. Like, same thing happened against the Falcons. And it just – it was one thing after another, on field, off the field. We all know what happened on in Ohio with, with Urban and the young woman that he was, you know, kind of getting too cozy with, having a lap dance with. So you have all these really bad – I mean, Urban Meyer's 57 years old. What are you doing in a bar or a restaurant uh, having sort of a cozy kind of a lap dance type thing with a young woman? Do you, do you not think that there are going to be patrons there that have cell phone cameras? I mean, stuff like that. I mean, that really got it rolling. But what was the tipping point for owner Shad Khan? You know, a lot of people are, are making the connection between, you know, kicker Josh Lambeau making his allegations about Urban kicking him and then Urban being fired seven, hour, seven hours later. So everybody, you know, just naturally assumes that because of the timeline that that was what was kind of the last straw. No, the last straw was Sunday's game against the Tennessee Titans, uh, not just losing the game the way they did, not scoring any points, but the post game, you know, the, the the cold as of the cold handshake with the with the opposing coach Mike, Mike Rayburn, Rayburn, yeah, and then Rayburn. the press conference afterwards, you know, it just and that was that was the tipping point for Shad Khan. 
They, he made the decision that night that he was probably going to let go of Urban, but he wait, the mistake they made was waiting three more nights to make the announcement. That was the mistake they made. You know, they had the 10-year anniversary of Shad Khan owning the team, kind of a celebration with employees. They had a meeting with the media on the yacht, and then it was the NFL owners' meetings for the next day and a half. And, you know, he, he should have just announced it right then and there that Sunday night. That's what he should have done. Uh, but they didn't, and so it kind of made him look a little bit bad that he waited three days, too, and everybody, of course, in the media jumped on it. But uh, it was just, like I said, it was just the PR, Urban Meyer was his own worst enemy. He basically fired himself, not just with the team not really doing well on the field, but more so just one uh, bad optic and PR disaster after another. So Trevor Lawrence, first year, of course, he wins the national championship, and then second year has a tough has a tough loss at the championship game. And then it seemed like after that game, like the third year, the COVID year was not a good year. Especially he got COVID before the Notre Dame game, but he didn't play as well. It's sort of his third year; he didn't play as well as the first or second year. And now we're seeing him this year struggling. And you know, again, you're you're harking back to his freshman year when he probably played at his highest level. Is he getting to some bad habits? Is there, is it just, I mean, it's hard. It's, you know, John Elway struggled. Everybody struggles for their first year. And like we talked about Tua last year, it comes up all the time. But is there something that you see in Trevor? I mean, is everyone still confident he's going to be the savior of the franchise, be the quarterback for the next 20 years? Or is there something you might see that, wow, there is, there's some issues with him? I think it would be a little bit presumptuous to say, hey, he's going to be a great quarterback, just leave him alone, he's eventually going to be you know, the savior, Pro Bowl, all, all pro. That might happen. I'm not saying it won't happen. But I don't know how you can look at this year and not at least have a, a smidgen of doubt about it, right? Right. Now, granted, his surrounding cast is terrible. There's, there's no getting around that. The offensive line is it's not terrible. It's, it's just okay. That's all it is. Not, not, nothing special okay, had, had some pretty decent pass-blocking moments at times, and, and Trevor's very good at not, you know, running into sacks. He does a pretty good job of making the offensive line look better in that respect. But you've got receivers that don't get separation. You know, and when you have receivers that don't get separation, what happens? Well, you, you're, not going, you're, you're not going with a deep ball as often. And if you're not going with a deep ball as often – much easier for the defense to defend you, right? If they're, if, if they're not seeing any balls 15, 20 yards in the air, uh, and if everything's just a little short crossing your route stuff, a lot easier to defend, right? And, and that's what the Jaguars' offense has become. He's got one, one touchdown pass in the last seven games. I mean, Amazing. in today's NFL, one touchdown in seven games is like almost unheard of. I mean, that, that's, that's, some, that's a stat you would associate with like a undrafted rookie quarterback who got thrown into the fire, right? Right. That, that's, that's what that feels like. But, uh, you know, I mean, his, his, his completion percent is, is okay. I think it's somewhere around, right around 60%, nothing special. But um, he's got nine touchdowns and 504 passes. Oh, my God. Okay. Davis, okay, Davis Mills, the – Third round rookie draft pick that the Tex that played against the, yesterday with the Texans. He's got ten touchdowns, but in only three hundred and two attempts. We all know about Mac Jones in New England. Eighteen touchdowns and four hundred twenty nine attempts. Here's the quarterback ratings for these guys. Right, Trevor's at sixty nine point three. 
Okay. Now, Zach Wilson with the Jets, who they're going to be playing this coming weekend, he struggled as well. He's got only six touchdowns and 300 attempts, 66.4 rating. But Mills is at 82.2. Mac Jones is at 94.6. And I might point out Gardner Minshew, a six-round draft choice, um, when he was a rookie, uh, 91.2 quarterback rating. So, you know, those, those, those numbers – Part of it is a result of, of Trevor not having as good a surrounding cast as some of those guys have. But, you know, Trevor's got to Trevor's got to have some accountability in this, too. He hasn't been quite as accurate. And I wonder, you know, when you have receivers that you can't count on for separation, they had a season-high five drops yesterday. I mean, James Robinson, their dependable running back, dropped a wide-open screen pass that was right in his hands had nothing but daylight in front of him, and he dropped it. Now, granted, it was wet, you know, rainy day yesterday. But, you know, Trevor's not getting a whole lot of help around him. And also, Trevor, and, and consequently, Trevor hasn't been able to put up, you know, the kind of numbers or help himself uh, as well. So, uh, and it makes me wonder, you know, what, what does that do to a quarterback's psyche when you're not seeing production week after week after week? We're talking to Gene Fernanda of the Florida Times Union. Uh, Gene, just one last question in, in general about the, the Jaguars. I mean, I have been to the stadium a couple times. I went last year for the Steeler game. I love the stadium. I, I find it just wonderful. I think the club levels on so many different levels is great. There's just the fun with the pools, all the stuff. I actually like that a lot. But it seemed like before the, this whole before COVID, there was a move to say, well, if there's ever a team that's going to play in Europe, he's going to move the team to London. Like Khan does not want to be in Jacksonville or move it somewhere else. Where is the thought now? Now, certainly they're not playing the games. The foreign games aren't being played as, you know, won't be played this year and, and, and next year. Who knows? But the point is, is does it feel that the team is, you know, now with Trevor Lawrence, the team is going to be a Jacksonville team. They're not going to play three or four games in London and four games here. It is going to be a Jacksonville team for, for the foreseeable future. Well, it's kind of strange that you even ask that question, to be honest with you, because um, this seems to be some, uh, kind of a narrative that gets thrown out there by national guys who are not in this area. Because those people that are in this area, that narrative went away seven, eight years ago. That, that, that narrative reached a kind of a, a climax back in like 2011 when, when Schaub was just bought the team. And then when he moved the games to London, when he moved one home game to London, you know, in 2012, and I think it started in 13, it, it, it had a little bit of momentum then. But in the last, for the last three or four years, uh, the message has been more than come across that Shot Shot intends to make it work here because look all the money that he spent. I mean, you wouldn't be spending, you know, $100 million, you know, for video boards and amenities and and making the club seats better and the cabanas and, and, uh, and an amphitheater outside the stadium if you weren't intending to stay, okay? And now they're, they're, they've signed a deal for the sh- to redevelop the shipyards here to, to create even more amenities around the stadium, including a sports performance center. Uh, Shad Khan's probably is going to be bringing a Four Seasons Hotel uh, here to Jacksonville. You know, like, you know, they don't have a five-star hotel downtown. So the, that's what the four seasons will be. Point being, he's done so much already for the city of Jacksonville, invested so much that the people here understand that this guy's committed, right? Uh, has a lease extension been signed yet? No. But when that stadium, uh, they're going to they're gonna be 
making a pitch for a stadium renovation year, perhaps in the next year, because they're going to want that. The, the lease expires after the 2029 season. So you're, I think you're going to see a, oh, I don't know, $500 million renovated stadium. Oh, wow. That's the plan to uh, in Jacksonville, I'd say within the next five years. Well, I hope that happens. And, I, I hope uh, that happens. And, you know, you're not spending that kind of money with the intention of moving a team anywhere. I agree. No, I agree. No, I, I love every time I'm there. And I'll tell you, the one thing they do is when you're in the state, I've ne- the friendliest people, whatever they do, to de- it may be just the Jacksonville people, but you're in there. Everyone's trying to help you. Um, they're just everyone is so wonderful in that stadium. It's, it's the fr- it is the friendliest stadium. Everybody knows where everything is. I go to these other stadiums. I've been to 25 stadiums and, and you ask people like where sections are or this and no one has any idea. Everybody at Jacksonville knows their stadium. They're proud of it. They thank you for coming. They love the fact that you're wearing Steeler gear and you're at the stadium. Like it's really a good thing and and i i just love going there for games so i hope it, it stays there but uh but gene i really appreciate you coming on iron sports i and talking about because this is you know i said this is the the jacksonville's in the news the urban meyer the trevor lawrence and it's great that uh it's getting it's interesting that it's getting in the news but hopefully you would get a chance because you'd be in playoff contention and those type of things well let me make one point the big reason to be honest with you why the jaguars are so much in the news other than the fact that they've you know fired their coach uh, 13 games of the season. It's Urban Meyer. He's a polarizing figure. Uh, and he was a polarizing figure at Florida. You know, he had 31 players that were arrested while he was at Florida. He had the incident with the assistant coach at Ohio State. And he's, he's been a polarizing figure wherever he's been because he's won, but he's also had a lot of off-the-field issues that cause, make people wonder about, you know, you know, just how genuine this guy really is. He does not have i got to be honest, he does not have a good off-the-field reputation. He has a really good reputation as a guy who's an organizer and can build a college program, fantastic recruiter. But it's a different, the NFL is a different world, and I think Urban found that out, and he also found out that things that he could do and get away with in college, he could not get away with in the NFL, and that's why he's unemployed. Well, thank you a lot. I really appreciate Gene coming on Iron Sports, and hopefully we'll have you back again soon sometime. Thanks, Ira. Appreciate it. Good talking to you.